Two weeks ago, I preached on the beatitude, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I, I, I made an observation. I said that because of the cross, three things happened at the cross. Number one, my sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. This is something that most Christians understand. Our sins are forgiven. My rap sheet has been ripped up. It's been expunged. It's as if I never had a rap sheet in the first place. God has blotted out even the memory of our sins. In the Psalms, David said, Oh God, if you kept a record, even just a record of our sins, how could we ever come and stand in your presence? But even the record has been obliterated by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the first thing he did was he's forgiven our sins. Secondly, I talked about how he has given us a position of righteousness. He has taken us and made us co-heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin on the cross and was crucified so that you and I can take on the position and the recognition of the righteousness of God. And so when we stand before God, when we walk on earth, we stand clothed in robes of righteousness. God's favor, God's blessing is on us. And then the third thing, that isn't always as commonly understood, but the third thing that happened at the cross was that he didn't just give us the position of righteousness, he gave us the power of righteousness. The righteousness that he clothes us in is not just so that he could look at us and think good thoughts and feel good feelings. He didn't just clothe us with a costume. He has infused us with his own divine nature, with his own Holy Spirit. He has caused us to be born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed. And there is greatness inside of us. We are no longer bound to sin. We are now free from the power of sin and free to live in righteousness. Can I get an amen? Now, if you really believe that, come on, give the Lord a shout, put your hands together, and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Two weeks ago, the very last message in this series was, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Because my sins are forgiven, because he's given me a position of righteousness, and because he has given me the power of righteousness, that makes us want to live up to what we've already attained, not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He's forgiven me, he's patted me on the back, and he's empowered me. And that encourages us to want to walk in the righteousness, to walk in the freedom, to walk in the liberty, to walk in the power of the life that he has invested in us. Amen. And so this morning, as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, 
This is what Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to explain what this means because so many times we read things and we get a superficial or surface knowledge, but the things of God often go way deeper, don't they? Way deeper. And uh, blessed are they that are pure in heart, for they will see God. The Greek word here for pure is the word katharos, katharos. That's the Greek word. We have it up there on the screen. It means clean, pure, unstained, either literally or ceremonially or spiritually, guiltless, innocent, and upright. Now remember, you are first and foremost the righteousness of God by faith. So everything that says is true about you if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. On a day-to-day basis, sometimes our walk is up, sometimes our walk is down. But we remember what's happened at the cross. My sins, the record of all my mistakes has been blotted out. He's positioned me into a position of righteousness, and he has given me the power of that righteousness. And so Jesus said, blessed, favored, to be envied, filled with abundant blessings are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to take this somewhere where maybe you've never quite been before. There's another added meaning to the word pure, and in the word study uh, concordance, it says that the word pure helps uh, word study, says that the word katharos also means without mixture, without undesirable elements. How many of you want to live a life unto the Lord without undesirable elements? Amen. We want to live up to who we already are in Christ. Sometimes a word definition really needs to be extracted by the context in which it's used. In other words, we could look at this word, look at the Greek, look at the Hebrew, and say, okay, this is what it means. But honestly, if God is using this word, and he is in Scripture... Sometimes the best way to get the definition of the word is to actually see the context in which God uses this verse or this word in other verses. And so this morning, so that we could get a deeper, broader, more practical understanding of what it's meant when he says, blessed are the pure in spirit, we're going to look at several scriptures where this same word is used in the Greek, reference number 2513. Are you ready? In, he, in Revelations chapter 21, verse 18, in the King James, it's talking about the new Jerusalem and the, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. And it says, in the building of the wall of it, it's talking about the wall of the new city of Jerusalem, was made of jasper. And the city was pure, katharos, 
pure gold like unto clear glass. And so the definition here of pure in this verse, the context in which the Holy Spirit uses it, is in the sense of a transparency. In Revelation 21, verse 21, it's used again. And it says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. You know, I, I can't go past that sentence. I say this every time. Can you imagine? Twelve gates made of twelve pearls. Those are huge yo mama big gates. Can you imagine how big those oysters are? And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure, kathados, gold, as it were, transparent glass. There it is again, the word pure, having the sense or the inference, the connotation of being transparent. Another scripture in Revelations chapter 22 Verse 1, and he showed me a pure cathodos, river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. You see, the word pure cathodos is used in the context of transparency. So Jesus is blessed to be envied, favored, multiplied. Uh, blessings on you when you are transparent. We're going to talk about this. Now I want to remind you two things. The first thing is, three weeks ago I said, your sins are forgiven, you're given a position of righteousness, and you're given the power of righteousness. Two weeks ago, I preached about blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. And when we don't show mercy to someone and we conclude about their actions in our mind, it's like having a closed court with a judge and with a judge, with a jury and with a prosecutor and the defense attorney's been locked out of the court. As I preach today, this message is not, men, this message is not about your wife. Women, this message is not about your husband. This message is not about that brother or sister sitting on the other side of the auditorium and you're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to get him or get her. Because of the beatitude just before this, blessed are the merciful, we're going to agree that as we hear the word of God today, we're not going to have a closed court in our mind. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us. He doesn't come to convict us about somebody else's problem. Amen. So we're going to talk about transparency. Transparency is honesty. And I'm going to share with you why honesty is the best policy. 
Number one, the first person we need to be transparent with is ourselves. Now, those of you that have gotten into the habit of taking pictures with your cell phone of the screen, there are going to be quite a few, I think, blockbuster statements. So get your cell phone ready, okay? Uh, no, in all honesty, uh, as I sat with the Holy Spirit and He was giving me these thoughts, I had many, many wow moments. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. This stuff, it comes from Him, and I acknowledge it's Him. The wisdom comes from Him. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen? So I'm not trying to uh, build myself up, but uh, you might want to get that cell phone ready. The first person we need to be transparent with is ourselves. Next slide. When we want to do something or get something or go somewhere and our conscience is in the way, we voluntarily deceive ourselves so that our conscience is silenced to ease the path to what we want to accomplish. When we want to do something or get something or go somewhere and our conscience is in the way, we have a moment to decide. Are we going to listen to the voice of our conscience? Or are we going to justify it? They say that the psyche can't determine the difference between something that is repeated over and over again and something that's the truth. In other words, if a lie is said to yourself often enough, it becomes as much a reality as the truth. When we want to do something or get something or go somewhere and our conscience is in the way, we voluntarily deceive ourselves so that our conscience is silenced to ease the path to what we want to accomplish. Jesus said, blessed are the pure, blessed are the transparent, blessed are those who are honest with themselves. The first person we have to be honest with or transparent with is us. Can I get an agreement? You see, the word conscience comes from the Latin. And con and shins uh, means with knowledge. Con means with, and shins means knowledge, with knowledge. And so when we silence our conscience... It is with the knowledge of the truth that we choose to do what is wrong. When we silence our conscience to ease our decision, we are sinning with knowledge. We're wanting to believe a lie. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, 
We're not going to throw the verse up, but it's talking about the coming of the man of lawlessness. It's talking about the last days. The last days were ever since the Holy Ghost got poured out on the day of Pentecost till the day Jesus Christ comes back again. By the way, that word last days, people often, again, because we're not students of the word, they read it in a literal sense and they say, well, they've been saying we're in the last days for the last 2,000 years. No, in the Greek, it says the last time period, the last age, the last dispensation before the kingdom of God is set up on the physical earth. And so in 2 Thessalonians, Paul's talking about the coming of the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, and he goes on and he says that people wanting to believe a lie, they will be sent a powerful delusion. Wanting to believe a lie. And so at times with ourselves, when we're not honest with ourselves, when we're not being transparent to ourselves, when we're not looking genuinely at what our motivation is, when temptation is talking to us and we say, well, uh, no, uh, I'm not doing that out of lust. I, I, I just, I'm curious. How many of you ever got curious and it got you in trouble? You know what they say, curiosity killed the cat. All right? We can justify to our conscience we can talk back, we can choose to believe a lie, and all we're doing is coming into agreement with a demonic spirit, and we're shaking hands with it. And as we're shaking hands with it, we're saying, I'm allowing your anointing of deception to come over my eyes. They love not the truth, and so they perish. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in spirit. Blessed are the people who are transparent even with themselves and will look at their heart and look at their motives. It's gone really, really quiet here this morning. Just give me a moment to encourage myself. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. <sighs> I want you to have a look at this next screen. The habitual practice of justifying to ourselves behavior we already know is wrong, listen, is the first step towards searing our conscience and silencing the voice of the Holy Spirit and allowing our spiritual eyes to go blind and our spiritual ears to go deaf. You know, in the Old Testament, the prophets said it over and over again. These people have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Jesus came to his own people, and he said, just like the prophets have said, you have eyes to see, but you don't see. You have ears to hear, but you don't hear. Church, everyone, look at me. We are living in an age where the God of this world has covered the world in many manifestations of deception. And when we buy into a lie, 
when we are not transparent with ourselves, when we don't love the truth, we open the doors to our own demise. When we lie to the still, silent, little voice of God's conscience within us, we come into agreement to do the thing that's wrong with the knowledge of what's right. And when we do so, we give the master of deception the right to put a veil over our eyes and deafness over our ears. Because the bottom line is this, if it's okay for you to lie to you, then it's okay for the master and the father of lies to lie to you. Wow. David, are you still with me? I don't know about you, but right now in my spirit, I'm saying, ouch, but I like it. You see, a long time ago, I've learned this. The truth is my friend. The truth is my friend. And I, I've come to love the truth. How many of you know the truth isn't always pretty? Come on. The truth isn't always pretty. The truth isn't always what we really want to hear. The truth isn't always something that gets us up on a soapbox and gets us excited. But the truth is the one thing that will always set you free. In Titus chapter 1, verse 15, this is what the Apostle Paul says. And in fact, it's really interesting because the context of the Scripture, he's having trouble with some people in the church. And he says, they are being deceitful. The practice of being deceitful is uh, the ability to display a fantasy, the ability to display a lie, the ability to hide pertinent facts. And the context, he's having trouble with these people in the church, and he says they are deceitful. And he goes on and he says, as you read the whole passage, that they are blind. When we open the door that is anti-transparency, we open the door to deception. And so in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, in the midst of this conversation, Paul says, to the pure, to the transparent, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. Now, if we were to break this down, church, into street-level lingo so that we can get it, it would read something like this. Simply put, to those who are sincere, genuine, and have no ulterior motives, everything is sincere, genuine, and without ulterior motives. When you live from that perspective, you see from that perspective. To the innocent, everything is innocent. To the pure, everything is pure. And so, to those who are sincere, go back, go back. Quick, quick, quick. 
To those who are sincere, genuine, and have no ulterior motives, everything is sincere, genuine, and without an ulterior motive. Let's go on. The verse continues to mean in this broken down form, but to those who are corrupted by sin, nothing is sincere, genuine, or without ulterior motives because both their mind and their conscience have already been marred and tainted by the history of their own deceitfulness and duplicity. We're not done. This verse is going to still preach. Let's go to the next screen. It goes on and it says, Therefore they judge everyone else's motives based on what they know about themselves and are themselves constantly being deceived by the same lying spirit. Blessed are the pure. Blessed are those people who will be honest with themselves, who will check their heart, look at their motives, be real, who won't lie to themselves, but hunger and thirst for the truth, even if the truth sheds an ugly light on where they're at. Thank you. Thank you. It is never my intent for a message to condemn. It's not my goal to stand here and say, look how ugly you are. Most of us like the rest of us. We are all broken, but thank God we are all forgiven. We are all the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And we have been given the power of that righteousness. And Paul says, and Peter says, let's live up to what we've already attained. How have we attained it? By faith in what Jesus has done. I really am the righteousness of God. It isn't just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Let's make believe God's going to see me as if I never sinned. No, he gives me that position, but he really has caused a transformation to take place on the inside. Behold, if anyone's in, anyone is in Christ, he is is a new creation. The old has passed. The, the bondages of sin is broken, rendered powerless, and something new is born on the inside of each and every one of us. Hallelujah. I'd rather know the ugly truth. This is a, a conclusion I came to a long time ago. It's one of my pet sayings. I'd rather know the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. And the ugly truth can be pretty ugly sometimes. I'd rather know the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. Why? Because with the ugly truth, you at least know where you are and you can work out where you need to get to. But with the comfort of a lie, you're already lost, and you have no way of finding your way out. 
The second person that we need to be transparent with is others. Are you all still with me? How many of you want part two? Listen to me. It is my job to test myself and make sure I'm in the faith. And it is my job, if I am a good pastor, to love you more than I care about my popularity. And therefore, it behooves me to give you tools and to give you truth so that you can test yourself and make sure you're walking in the faith. Amen. Amen. I'll take that as it's okay to go to point two. The second person you need to be transparent with is others. When you hide your motives or lead out a, leave out a relevant piece of the story, the truth isn't transparent. When you hide your motives, when you're engaging somebody and you want their involvement, but you have an ulterior motive, and you know they're not going to like or necessarily jump on board if they saw the whole picture, so you manage to just say the bit that you know they're comfortable with or the bit that will please them, tickle them, meet what they want while you keep some of your agenda obscured. Everybody hearing me? Yeah. Am I talking to all of us? Yeah. Okay. You know, in this passage that I read earlier, Titus, Chapter 1, verse 15. Paul, that group of people he was talking about that were full of deceitfulness, he says they go about getting dishonest gain. You see, we read that and we think of that in terms of monetary, dishonest gain. But when you are relating with your fellow man, when you're relating with your wife or you're relating with your husband, relating with those that you're meant to be in relationship with, and you want to get an approval, you want to get your way, you want to go a certain place, and you know that they may not agree if everything is on the table, you cease to be transparent and you tell them only the pieces of information that they are likely to buy into. And when they buy into it, based on the limited information you've given them, you have sold them a bill of goods without full disclosure. And you are guilty of gaining their will and their agreement and their participation fraudulently to your advantage and possibly to their disadvantage. Everybody look straight ahead, don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> Everybody put your hand on your heart and say, thank you, Jesus. This is for me. And I love the truth. Because the truth will set me free. 
when we hide, when you hide your motive or leave out a relevant piece of the story, the truth isn't transparent. And when the truth isn't transparent, the truth has been manipulated. We manipulate the truth so that we can get what we want, so we can get our way. And when we manipulate the truth to get our way, that's manipulation and control. It's also a form of witchcraft. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The Beatitudes are attitudes that come straight out of heaven. The Beatitudes are lifestyle attitudes that we're called to live with. And that as we mimic, as we repeat, as we copy, as we engineer these attitudes into our soul and allow them to become part of the fiber of who we are, the Bible says, Jesus says, that you are lining yourself up with blessings, with favor, with mercy, with abundance. You are to be envied above anybody else. I would rather run after heaven's definition of success than achieve this world's definition of success. Can I get an agreement? Any form of withholding the whole truth from yourself or another, any form, any form, did you know that if you tell a part of the truth, it's a lie? That's why in our courts, we're supposed to swear that we will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because only a part of the truth is a lie. Unless it's contextualized with the whole story. Good preaching, Pastor Ross. Any form, any form of withholding the whole truth from yourself or another is deception. It's a lie. And here's the reality. You can't walk in the anointing of deception and walk in the truth at the same time. Didn't hit hard enough? Let me break it down some more. <laughs> Are you ready? Put up the next slide. In other words, you can't deliberately close your eyes to the truth and expect to see. Here's a principle. I always preach about principles because the Word of God, it's not a book of do's and don'ts. It's the book that is the manual to life. It is the key to happiness. It's filled with principles from another dimension that as we submit to the principles of a higher realm, the principles and the orders of the realm of the God of this age no longer have supremacy over us. We 
shift ourselves from the rule of a fallen world order in, under the rule of divine, heaven's divine order. Amen. And so the Beatitudes are powerful things. It's not part of a to-do list of, oh, this is what I got to do to be a Christian. No, if you're smart, you'll understand. These are the principles of the citizens of God's heaven. And in those principles are life and blessings. And when we line up our attitudes and our perspective on life with heaven's perspective and heaven's attitude we automatically allow the fullness of the blessing of the kingdom of God to run its course through us and our family so here's a principle in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 Paul is stating a fact and he says the God of this age, and by the way, in the Greek, that means the God of this time period. Do you know why Paul says the God of this age? Because Satan will only be God over earth for a very limited time. And then Jesus Christ will come and he will be Lord. Amen. And everything will be under his feet. But the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they can't see the glory of God. Why? Why does that happen? Because when you don't love the ugly truth, an uglier lie will blind you. When you don't love the ugly truth, an uglier lie will blind you. I'm coming around the bend. We're almost over. Everyone sigh a sigh of relief. There you go. That's a wise man right there. They loved not the truth, and so they perished. I've taught my soul to love the truth of God's Word. And though it might sometimes not be the things I want to hear, it's the thing I need to hear. Amen. Some of what we hate about this world is the shenanigans, the trickery, the deception, the shades of gray and darkness in which people relate with each other, the manipulative controlling, the lack of honesty and truth. So much so that there's a secular organization called Transparency, and it's about bringing ethics back into the business world. What a shame on the church if we can't handle something like this here, and yet even people in darkness are clamoring for truth and ethics and honesty in business. How much more, as sons of God, we should be committed to knowing the truth and loving the truth. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. Here we go. 
When we live in insincerity, in insincerity and blind ourselves and others from the truth of our motives so that we can get what we want, even in temptation, even in temptation, when temptation's talking to you and you blind yourself from the truth, you silence your conscience, the voice of the Spirit. So this is a conclusion to you being or not being transparent with yourself and being transparent or not transparent with other people. When we live in insincerity and blind ourselves and others from the truth of our motives so that we can get what we want, we give the enemy the right to get what he wants over us and blind us from seeing the glory of Christ from working in our circumstances. You see, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We always take pretty much every doctrine and we zoom it off into the future. Jesus said, your brother will rise. He said to Mary and Martha, and they said, yeah, we know, in the resurrection. He said, no, stop putting everything into the future. I am that I am. I am the resurrection, and he will live in me. And one of the tricks of the enemy is to take divine truths and zip them into outer space way off into the future so that we don't walk in the revelation of it today and inherit the promise and the blessing that's for now. And so when we read, blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God, we think of eternity. Oh, blessed are those people that are perfect. Hey, listen, we're all excluded. If it's by our own efforts, every one of us are excluded. So we start with the fact that we're broken, we were sinners, we've come to Jesus Christ, our record, our rap sheet has been cleansed, it's been wiped out, I'm given a position of righteousness, but the best part is not one or two, the best part is number three, he has broken the chains of the power of the sin nature, and he's given me and allowed me to be a partaker of a divine nature. That's the best part. And when we choose to walk in that divine nature, the freedom and the power of righteousness, when we're transparent with ourselves and with others, what Jesus is saying here isn't, oh, well, you'll get to heaven, you'll see God. No, this is what he's saying. Simply put, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Happy, blessed, to be envied, supremely blessed, fortunate, and well-off are those who are sincere, genuine, and have no ulterior motives in their dealings with others. For their spiritual eyes and ears will be open, and they will see and experience God breaking through in every area of their life. The Beatitudes are the best attitudes. And they're the attitudes for us to be 
because they are the attitudes of the kingdom of God, of the citizens of heaven. These are the attitudes, the perceptions, the perspective of the sons of God. And when we come into alignment with the things that flow from his spirit, then the fullness of his spirit can flow into our lives. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to be the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ just because God puts on a pair of rose-colored glasses and to make me feel good, he says, oh, you're just wonderful and refuses to see where I'm at. And sometimes that's how righteousness is preached. Don't buy into it because you are shortchanging yourself of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, I have a position of righteousness. And should I make a foolish decision this tomorrow and fall flat on my face, unless I have rejected God and turned my back on him, while I have fallen in sin, and in my heart I'm repentant, I am still a son, and I am still the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. But I never want to live in a way that abuses this truth of grace. But this grace goes beyond how God chooses to see me. If we're honest here, every one of us, if we're honest here, Every one of us have met that parent whose child is like a little demon <laughs> and mommy and daddy think he is absolutely or she is the absolute most wonderful kid on the world in the world and their poop doesn't smell. <laughs> and if we're honest with ourselves, People like that irritate us. So then why do we want to settle for a righteousness that only goes to that level and we console ourselves with, well, positionally, I'm the righteousness of God. I am. My sins have been forgiven. There's no record. And I do stand in a position of righteousness. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ and I am seated in heavenly places and as a son I've been put on the edge of the universe so that I could speak the heart, the mind and the will of God so that God can take my words and plant the heavens and change the landscape. I am positionally the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. But I love the fact that he did something on the inside and when I get the revelation I start to realize sin is no longer my master. Amen. Amen. Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. And we can be free in our deeds. To live righteously is already within us by faith in what Jesus has already done. Can I get an agreement? Come on, let's stand and give the Lord a round of applause. Come on, if you agree, let the Lord know you appreciate His truth and His word today. Amen. Amen.
Amen. I think that this is one of the most important truths we need to understand. Because self-deception is the first step. Self-deception is the first step. It's what precedes demonic deception. It's only when we're willing to lie to ourselves that as sons of God, then the enemy has the right to bring the anointing of deception. While ever we hold to the truth and we're honest about us and to us, we're honest about our heart, and we come before God not as scared little kids that are going to get a beating, but as honest men and women and say, Dad, I still struggle with this sinful area of my life. The transparency, the ownership, the accountability becomes the very thing that starts to unlock us from the bondage. Perfect love casts out fear because he loves us so perfectly. I don't have to be afraid to go to him with my mistakes. If anybody gets me, he gets me. And where I'm broken and where my brokenness shows up the most, he knows exactly why and how that first took place in my soul where everybody else is just going to judge me on my performance. He gets me. He gets you. Deidre, he gets you. He understands us. Galen, he gets you. Nobody else knows your story. Nobody else was with you in those dark crevices, those horrible moments of your childhood, or anybody else here. And where everyone else judges us by the surface of the land, he was with us in our dark places. He was with us in our broken moments. And he loves us. And he understands us. And he gets us. And I love this about God. Yes, he's holy, he's righteous, he's pure. But he came down to our level so that by faith he can lift us up to his level. Amen. The more honest we are with ourselves, the more secure and protected our lives will be. The more honest we are with God, the more his hand of deliverance will be on us. And the more transparent and honest I am in dealing with my fellow man, my brother, my sister, when I don't try to get dishonest gain, get your agreement, get your participation, but I'm hiding pertinent facts that I know you won't agree with, that's just like stealing money from you because I've taken your energy without full disclosure. Manipulation and control. And this sermon isn't being preached so that you can measure someone else with it. 
Because when it comes to everyone else, we're not going to have a closed court. We're going to be merciful. Because blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. Amen. But this is for us. So that we can test ourselves and make sure that we're walking in the truth as he is in the truth. Amen. Every eye closed. You are. You are his beloved. And no, you're not perfect on a day-to-day basis. But while your heart hungers for righteousness and truth, and while you stand on the fact that you've already arrived, we start this race, we start this journey at the finish line. Jesus stood on the cross and said it's finished. That's where we start. It's already done. But if we want to walk a lie and live in a delusion, then the truth isn't in us. But we will push ourselves forward to live up to what we have already attained by faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, let me hear you say, Amen. Amen. Blessed. You want blessings? You want the enviable life? You want the favor of God? Take on the mindset. Take on the perspectives. Take on the attitudes of the kingdom and blessings will flow. While every eye is closed, the Bible says that every one of us is lost without Jesus Christ. And you might be here for the very first time. I'm so glad you are. You might be here for the hundredth time. You might even be a member of this church, but if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, let me tell you the ugly truth. This church can't save you, but Jesus will. You must ask Jesus in your heart. You must be born again, and he'll set you free. So in a moment, while every eye is closed, I'm going to ask those of you who want to ask Christ in your heart to raise your hand. And I'm going to be up front with you. I'm going to ask you once you've raised your hand, come on down the front. I want to pray with you. I want to be proud of you. I want to pat you on the back. I want to agree with you. I want to take you before my Father in heaven. So right now, if you don't know Christ, if you're not at peace with him, you could lie to yourself and with knowledge say no to Jesus. Or you can, with knowledge, say yes to Jesus right now. If you'd like to accept Christ in your heart, Raise your hand. Say, yes, I want Jesus to come into my life right now. Is that you? Put your hand up quickly. Quickly, if that's you. Say, I want to accept Christ. I want to know him as my Savior. I've run. I've run. I've run. I've made wrong turns, but I want to come back. I want to get it right. All right. Then I'm going to assume this is the house of believers, the house of faith. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, that's the message I needed to hear. Amen. 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 
Amen. Listen to me. If the enemy's trying to condemn you, tell him to shut up. This isn't about condemnation. This isn't about trying to make anyone feel bad. This is about sons of God growing up and becoming men and women of God. He looks for pillars so that he can put the weight of his kingdom on them and then move the kingdom forward. I want to be a pillar that doesn't crack. I want to be a pillar that stands strong. And so I've come to love the truth more than anything else. Can I get an agreement? God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.